Dan chapter 42. Last week we looked at basically resurrecting a dead conscience. And we are going to stick in that same passage still. And we're going to look at a different aspect of the same things tonight. And so sometimes you get through a passage of scripture and there's just another direction you could go in those verses. And so we're last week we finished. Now we're going back again to go through it all again in a different light tonight. So Genesis chapter 41, and we've read these verses last week, and we've looked at these things. And uh, we're going to actually go to chapter number 42 and start reading verse number 1. Now when Jacob saw that there was corn in Egypt, Jacob said to his sons, Why do ye look one upon another? And he said, Behold, I have heard that there is corn in Egypt. Get you down thence and buy for us from thence, that we may live and not die. And Joseph's ten brethren went down to buy corn in Egypt. But Benjamin, Joseph's brother, Jacob sent not with his brethren, for he said, Lest preadventure mischief befall him. And the sons of Israel came to buy corn among those that came, for the famine was in the land of Canaan. And Joseph was the governor over all the land. And he it was that sold to all the people the land. And Joseph's brethren came and bowed down themselves before him with their faces to the earth. And Joseph saw his brethren, and he knew them, but made himself strange unto them, and spake roughly unto them. And he said unto them, Whence come ye? And they said, From the land of Canaan to buy food. And Joseph knew his brethren, but they knew him not, knew not him. And Joseph remembered the dreams which he had dreamed of them, and said unto them, Ye are spies to see the nakedness of the land are ye come. And they said unto him, Nay, my lord, but to buy food are thy servants come. We are all one man's sons. Look at these next couple words. We are true men. Time out. We are honest men. Anybody here tonight think that these ten brothers of Joseph's at this time were honest men? Anybody want to agree they were honest? Were they honest when they schemed together to get rid of their brother? Were they honest to their dad when they sold him into slavery? Were they honest with their dad about what really happened instead of shedding blood on his coat of many colors, they were not honest men. But they said that they were. Last week we looked at this passage of scripture and we broke it down seeing how the Lord resurrected a dead conscience and how we don't want to sear our conscience. Because when we sear our conscience and as and we our conscience basically learns the things that we teach so if your conscience has a good Bible background, that's a pretty good thing. But if you don't have a Bible background, your conscience, and at other times your conscience cannot be fully trusted. The Spirit of God is what is to be trusted. But when you, that we talked about last week, the conscience acts as a warning system. Remember that plane that went down? And the plane warned the pilot, you need to raise up, you need to raise up. He ignored it, the plane crashed, everyone died. 
They ignored the warnings. And you ignore the warnings of a conscience long enough, and what's going to happen is the conscience is going to be done speaking. And we see later on how the Lord used events to get them back to this point. But tonight, I don't want to look at the conscience so much. And I want to look at this area tonight and make sure we understand that we need to be sure that our sin will always find us out. Sin will always rear its ugly head, no matter what. Now, when I say that, we know that that verse comes from Numbers 32, 23, be sure your sin will find you out. That doesn't mean tonight that your sin will always be revealed. But it means that your sin has a way of finding you. The Bible makes it clear that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The book of Proverbs teaches us that, also, that if you take your sin and you hide it, it's going to come back as shame. But if you confess it and forsake it, you will have mercy. And so we look at this passage tonight, and I want us to draw some conclusions and some things that God did here. And we see once again the fact that God used this famine to get a hold of these men. We in chapel today for the Christian school, we looked at the prodigal son. And the prodigal son took all that his father gave to him. He got his inheritance early, took all that he got. He went out and spent it living a wicked lifestyle, and he wasted all that he had. Now, here's the thing. The Bible says there was a famine in the land. So once again, we see God using a famine to get the attention of this young man. Think about it. This young man, he never would have came to himself if he wasn't sitting in that pig pen, right? But if there was no famine and everything was great in the land, he could have gotten a regular job and kept working and doing whatever he wanted to do. God used the famine in his life to get him to realize where he was at. And sometimes that's what it takes. You've got to understand, you can try and help people. You can try and minister to people. But until they come to themselves and they're ready for it, and sometimes God has to teach them that. And I wish that it wasn't always that way. I wish I could just shake some people and straighten them up. But that's not how it works. But we see for these men, it had been 20 plus years. God had been trying to them a lesson and they weren't learning this lesson and so tonight we see what happens here i want you to see several things number one as we dive right in we see right away from these guys we see denial and deception denial and deception we saw there in verse number 10 and they said to him nay my lord but to buy food are thy servants come we are sons we are true men. What a lie. They knew they were not true men. But isn't it true for each, even in the midst of our lives and the things that we're doing, we are very quick to point out our own goodness. We see the sin in others, but we don't see it as much in ourselves. Think about what the Bible tells us in Proverbs 20, verse number 6. The Bible tells us most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find. And what Joseph's brothers needed to do is they needed to take a good reality check and look in the mirror and say, hey, we're not honest men. But no, they lied to themselves even at this point. We're honest men. No, they're not. 
But how many times do we do things very similar to that? Think about in the scripture in Luke chapter number 12, verse 17 through 20. We see the rich man, he says, What shall I do because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do, I will pull down my barns and build greater, and there I will bestow all my fruits and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? The parable there of the rich ruler was, everything in his field bloomed and blossomed. He had tons of fruit, he had tons of things, and instead of giving it to others and helping other people, what he did was he said, I can store this up for myself. We all know that after a while that food would have gone bad anyways, right? doesn't stay that long. He didn't have a freezer in those days to freeze some of it. But he tells himself, so he has a problem. His barn's not big enough to fit all the food. So what do you do? You give out some of it so that it fits in your barn, right? No, he says, no, I'll tear down my barn and build a bigger barn, and then I'm going to be set for a long time and have all the goods that I need. And then that night he dies. What good did him do him to build a bigger barn, and who did all that stuff go to? And sometimes we lie to ourselves in those ways. I think about the church in Laodicea. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation, it talks about the church there. And it says in 317, the church has this idea, but I am rich and increased with good, have need of nothing. And in all reality, that really describes the church today in 2021. Everything's good. I'm increased. We have need of nothing. And this is what Jesus said. And thou knowest not that you're wretched, that you're miserable and poor and blind and naked. We live in a society today that says if you say it loud enough and believe it long enough, it must be true. And that's not often the way it is. Sadly, many times, even parents, we live in denial about how our own children are at times. We become defensive and go on the offensive in so many different areas in our lives with these things. And sometimes we got to sit back and look in the mirror and be like, I'm not as good as I think I'm doing. If you're in the Word of God, it will help you. If you're not in the Word of God, you're not going to see those things. And so as we look, we see these brothers, we see denial and deception. We are true men, liars. And do you know who could have called it out right then? I wonder if Joseph rolled his eyes a little bit. Really, you're true men. Where did you put my coat? I wonder what would have happened then if he would have gone there and gone down that road. But oftentimes, we look at things, and we, and our sin, we live in denial, and our sin deceives us. And this is what we do with our sin oftentimes. We're like, my sin's not like so-and-so's sin. Your sin is just as bad as so-and-so's sin. It's like a couple weeks ago we talked about divorce in the morning. God hates divorce. The Bible says it. It is clear. But God hates lying lips. God hates those that spread gossip or slander amongst, or so discord among the brethren. God hates a proud look. So we like to point out the sins that aren't in our lives because it's not as bad for us. When we got to, this today we talked about the prodigal son. The older brother was upset that the younger brother, dad, was happy. There was pride in his heart. 
there was just as much sin in him as his brother that went off and lived wrong. It's just we look at sin differently when it's us compared to someone else. And I'm glad that Jesus doesn't look that way. Because he could have been the one to throw the stones at that woman caught in adultery. He could have been the one to take care of those things. But Jesus sees us for who we are, and I'm thankful for that tonight. We see number one, where are we at on time? We're doing all right. We see denial and deception. Number two, we see that there's some remembering, and then there's remorse. Remembering, and then remorse. Joseph's ten brothers had been living what they thought was a pretty successful life to themselves. Now, I honestly, you can't go back and, like, you can't look. What was in the heart of these brothers right here? The Bible doesn't say. Did they honestly get to the point to where they just got past it and they forgot? And they really felt that they were good? Were they lie? You tell a lie long enough, you do start to believe that lie. Am I wrong with that? So could th that could be the case. But we see the longer they're there, the more things that happen, we see things, and you'll see right away, as Joseph began to stir their remembrance, they would painfully acknowledge their past without re rewriting their history. Look at what it says. So look at verse number 11 there. It says, we are true men. Thy servants are no spies. And he said unto them, nay, but to see the nakedness of the land, ye are come. And they said, thy servants are twelve brethren, the sons of one man in the land of Canaan. And behold, the youngest is this day with our father, and one is not. They didn't name Joseph, but they acknowledged him right here. You see that? There's some acknowledgement that takes place. In fact, they probably would have preferred not to even think of him. And yet now they're forced to remember him. When we live our lives and let sin go unconfessed to God, what it does, it builds up in there, and God uses things. And it might be, and you've got to understand, this is what God was using to get this to these guys back to remembrance, to get them to where they needed to be. You've got to understand, sometimes some scripture that you read, or maybe a passing word or something that someone says will spark a memory of something that you haven't confessed that you've been holding on to for a long time. Or a rabbit trail in a sermon. That could happen every once in a while, right? Maybe a word on a radio or a simple line from a song that is sung. And sometimes God uses those things to bring into remembrance into our minds to help us get to the point to where we're remorseful and where we confess the sin and get right. Confession's important. It's very important. And as we look at this passage of Scripture and as we go further, Joseph, we see what does he do with his brothers. Verse 14 says, And Joseph said unto them, That it is that I spake unto you, saying, Ye are spies. Hereby ye shall be proved by the life of Pharaoh. Ye shall go... Um, by the life of Pharaoh, ye shall not go forth hence, except your younger brother come thither. Send one of you, and let him fetch your brother, and ye shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in you, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely ye are spies. 
and he put them all together into ward three days. Now, there are some people out there like, Joseph is so mean to his brothers. Let me help you out tonight. After all Joseph has been through, and as godly as Joseph was through the entire ordeal, I tend to give Joseph the benefit of the doubt. Do you ever think that Joseph was trying to help his brothers get right with God? Because obviously they weren't, right? We're true men. You're liars is what you are. He puts them in jail or in prison for three days. Look at verse number 18. And Joseph said unto them the third day, This do and live, for I fear God. If ye being true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye, carry corn for the famine of your houses, but bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and ye shall not die. And they did so. And they said one to another, look at what they said to one another. You up tw 20 plus years, you have not heard these words. We are very guilty concerning our brother. And that we saw the anguish of his soul when he besought us. And we would not hear, therefore is this distress come upon us. So this lets us know that when Joseph's in that pit and all of his brothers are up there waiting to figure out what to do, he was pleading with them to get out. And they heard it. We keep reading a few more verses here. It says, And Reuben answered them, saying, Spake I not unto you, saying, Do not sin against the child? And ye would not hear. Therefore, behold, also his blood is required. And they knew not that Joseph understood them, for he spake unto them by an interpreter. And you see here, that as we continue to go, as we look at these verses here, that there are some very powerful influences working in the lives of these men now. Their conscience is working again. Their memory is working. And they're remembering what they did. And how did they remember? They sat three days in jail. They have no clue how many years Joseph spent in jail. They have no clue what all he went through during that time. But we see their consciences are working. We see their memory and we see their reason is working as well. We are very guilty concerning our brother. John Phillips said this. He said, conscience, memory, and reason. God's three great bounds to bark and bay at the door of the soul. The pointing finger was doing its work. They were still blind as to who Joseph really was. But they were now thoroughly awakened to their appalling guilt concerning him. They would now mention his name, at least among themselves, and admit what they had done. Twenty plus years for them to finally admit what they did. And you've got to understand something. The conscience, the memory, and reason, these three were following Joseph's brothers until... They were willing to deal with their sin. And you might say, well, 20 years, they got away with their sin for a very long time. Sometimes this is the problem we run into, Christians. We look at those in the world and we're like, why is it that they do the things they do, they don't live for God, and why are they so happy? Why is it that I try to live for God and I never have enough money for anything? 
Why is it that I try to live for God and my family has all the troubles? Why is it all these things happen? You've got to understand something. They might not get judged today, but they will get you reap you sow. It will catch up to you. And we even read about Asaph in Psalm 73. He looks around and he says, why is it that the wicked get away with everything? And it seems like the good people always have trouble and the bad people have everything given to them and everything's good. And by the end of the chapter, he says these things. He says, I realize the fact that someday God will judge and God is the ultimate judge and they will get their dues. And we look here with Joseph and we look at his brothers here and we see these things. You've got to understand, as I mentioned earlier, that verse in Numbers, be sure your sin will find you out. It always does. You cannot get away with it. It will come out one way or another. It will keep coming to you till you finally do something with it. It's so important. It's interesting to note that Joseph kept one brother in prison. Who's the brother that stays in prison? Simeon is the one. So, well, why Simeon? His father calls him, in chapter 49, an instrument of cruelty. There were some things that he did, and we might talk about something. They were starting to see things. They weren't there yet. There's something else that happens I want you to read about, and we're going to keep and we're going to finish up here tonight. Keep reading there in chapter 42. Go down to verse 26. It says, actually look at verse 25. Then Joseph commanded to fill their sacks with corn and to restore every man's money into his sack and to give them provision for the way he unto them. And they laded their asses with the corn and departed thence. And as one of them opened his sack to give his ass provender in the inn, he espied his money, for behold, it was in the sack's mouth. And it says, And he said unto his brethren, My money is restored, and lo, it is even in my sack, and my heart failed them. And they were afraid, saying one to another, What is this thing that God hath done to us? As you look here, what did they get for their brother? Some silver, right? So we see here that some silver was put back into their bags. Joseph knew what it was like to be falsely accused and to get in trouble being falsely accused. They had committed no crime that they were falsely accused like their brother. Very interesting. If you look down with me at verse number 36. And Jacob their father said unto them, Me have ye bereaved of my children. Joseph is not, and Simeon is not, and ye will take Benjamin away? Now look at these last words. Look at these words real close. I want you to see something here. All these things are against me. Sometimes we view life the same exact same way as Jacob does here. Jacob says, all these things are against me. But what was God doing? 
God was working all these things together for good. Joseph was still alive. Simeon was going to be just fine. Benjamin was going to be just fine. But sometimes we look at life, we look at the circumstances of life, and we look at it and we think, all these things are against me. But what's God's promise to those that love him, who are those who are called according to his purpose? That he works all things together for good. And so all these things were not against Jacob. Did it seem like it? If you and I were in Jacob's boat, would we say the same thing? Sure, I'm sure I would. My, my favorite son is dead. Then all these, then my, I got two others. Do you want to take my youngest, the last one that my wife had, that, that my favorite wife had, and then you go through all these different things? You could look and say, well, God's against me, but God's not. And as we look at these things, it's amazing to see what takes place. And uh, one of the things I didn't do, I skipped all the little subpoints, didn't I? But you probably got to fill those in a little bit as you went through. No one stopped me to say anything. Let's go back to number two, letter A. I said it a little bit ago. They began with a simple acknowledgement of Joseph. They began with a simple acknowledgement. Remember that in prison, they acknowledged him. Letter B. There were three powerful forces at work in their lives. I gave you those a few minutes ago. Conscience, memory, and reason. Conscience, memory, and reason. Letter C. Joseph would give them that which they once craved, but would now come to detest the money he put back in their bags. They wanted money for him, right? And now they detested it. Letter D. Well, Jacob said, all these things are against me. The truth is that God was working all things together for his good. That's the problem. I was getting carried away with all my points, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I didn't give you A, B, C, and D, and I'm shocked that someone didn't tell me, Annette or someone else didn't be like, hello, she was, she was ready. You were ready for her back there. We're running out of time, and so I'm just going to tie things up here tonight. But you can even notice, if you look, look at chapter 43 real quick. And look at the changes taking place in Judah's life. Look down at verse number 8. And Judah said unto Israel, his father, send the lad with me, and we will arise and go, that we may live and not die, both we and thou, and also our little ones. I will be surety for him. Of my hand shalt thou require him. If I bring him not unto thee and set him before thee, then let me bear the blame forever. He's basically saying, you can have my life if he doesn't come back. Where before they said, you could have one of my sons. Remember they said that? Quite a difference there. We see growth on their part already. And as we look at these things tonight, I already said some people might look and say that Joseph was being cruel to his brothers. But I believe that Joseph and the great wisdom and the lessons that he learned in his life was trying to help them. Say, well, why did he wait? They weren't ready for him to be revealed to them yet. How would it have been the first time they see him and they're bowing down? Guys, guess who? Hi, bros, how you doing? They weren't ready for that. Before they'd be ready to meet Joseph, they needed to get some confession in place.
and get right to be ready to see who Joseph truly was. Another picture that Joseph portrays of Jesus in this passage. God knows what he's doing. And I encourage you tonight that if there's sin in your life, to deal with it. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 31 and 32 says, For if we would judge ourselves, we sh should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. If there's sin in your life that's not confessed, and you know what I'm talking about tonight. I listened to a podcast today. And the podcast was on the topic of porn is what it was about. And this man was a pastor for many years, living a double life, living as a missionary in another country, going into brothels and going into places like that without his wife or anyone knowing. And one day he decided that life was so bad that they had to leave the mission field, but he was not going to tell his wife. He was not going to confess and get things right. They fly back to the States. It kept getting worse and worse. He said till the one day, 16 years ago, he sat down with his wife and confessed and got right with her. And that changed his life to this day. The problem is we let our sin go unchecked. We let it go and we think it's just going to go away. It doesn't. You say, but pastor, I'm forgiven. You are forgiven. Your past sin is forgiven. Your future sin is forgiven in Jesus Christ. But as we live this life, there are sins that weigh us down. And the guilt, the grief that is there, the best thing we can do is take our sins and take them to Jesus and confess them, agree with God about what he says about our sin. And in all reality, you might want to confess it to the one you've been sinning against and it might help you get things straight. God used a famine to get a hold of these guys and they were starting to get it. It took a while. But I think about how long it takes me at times to get things. So I give them a little bit of, I'm a little patient with them because I know how long it takes me at times. But be sure your sin will find you out. You're not going to get away with it. There are consequences. You might say it was 20 years ago, it's, has, it's done. And that's what these guys thought 20 years ago it was done. And yet the guilt, the remorse, it was all there. Until they finally acknowledged the sin and got right and moved forward. That's what we need today in Christianity. Father.